Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Welcome to an off-season extravaganza here on Burgundy Radio because, Earl, Jackie, we made it through the draft, and what did we as Colorado Avalanche fans have to talk about? Uh, Not much. Everything. Colorado made some picks. We could talk about who these picks were, of course, but no interesting stories. Then we made it through the first day of free agency. The Avs picked up a somewhat anonymous collection of dudes for an AHL team. Apparently, under the assumption that the AHL is going to play hockey games. I mean, I'll believe that when that when I see it actually happen. The um, the big names in free agency are still unsigned as of right now. Your your Taylor Halls, um, your Petrangelos. We'll get to all that, but we have a trade to announce. I'm talking, of course, about the biggest news of the day: the Colorado Avalanche trade AJ Greer's rights to the New York Islanders in exchange for Kyle Burroughs' rights. Let me get a snap reaction to this massive news from both of you, real quick, Earl. Um, I have a feeling this was, at least on Greer and the Avalanche's end, sort of a, an agreement to mutually part ways and, and a good way to achieve that, um, getting some value for the team. Um, Burroughs coming back, I've likened him to a shorter Mark Alt. Um, so that that's, you know, he's sort of a leadershipy defensive guy that, that's, he hasn't played a, a National Hockey League game. Um. He's, he's apparently a, a quality guy to have because he was the captain of the Bridgeport Sound Tigers last year. So, you know, I, hopefully this turns out good for, for Greer. Uh, the Islanders don't have a great track record of promoting guys from their, their minor league system or, or whatever. So hopefully they got Greer with the intention of putting him in the NHL right away. But we'll see. Mark Alt. TV, go. I'll say <laughs> finally. This probably should have happened at least two years ago. I was a little surprised they qualified him. So this kind of makes sense that they were going to use him to get somebody, which, you know, what did they really get? Is Burroughs somebody they couldn't have just signed as an AHL free agent? I don't know. They seem to like getting their defensemen in trades. So maybe they think Burroughs is of higher quality than somebody they could have just signed. Um I like Greer. I hope he gets a fresh start. As Earl said, though, that the Islander system is pretty pathetic, too. So uh, if they don't have a plan for him, the same thing is going to happen. But I am glad he has a fresh start. It needed to happen. So just kind of is what it is. But they finally did it. And they did need to move from the forward side, which we'll get to, to the defensive side in the AHL. So that's one less thing off the to-do list. And then the reaction from me was, huh, okay. (laughs) All right, so we got a pretty big show for you all this week. We're going to get to know a few new Avalanche prospects, but let's go ahead and get this conversation done. Nikita Zadorov has been traded to the Chicago Blackhawks in exchange for Brandon Saad, who has one year left on his contract before UFA. With a cap hit to the Avalanche of $5 million, Chicago retained an additional million for some reason. Seems unnecessary, but you're not going to complain about it. Colorado will also <laughs> send Anton Lindholm to Chicago, which, as far as I'm concerned, makes this deal an absolute win. Dennis Gilbert yeah. also comes back to Colorado to round this deal out. Zadorov immediately signed a carbon copy of his last one-year $3.2 million contract, by the way. So let's start with what's most important to us. What does Brandon Sod add to the Avalanche forward court? I would feel like another legitimate top six option which is what 
the Avs needed to do in this offseason. They needed to not sell for more third liners, which they, they could still sign more of those. But the fact that they got that top six guy that they needed does make this a win. And overall, this is what I felt like they were looking for in his Adorov trade. I felt like they were never going to use him to say, move up in the draft or get a second round pick or whatever. Like, this is exactly what the Avs were looking for. I also feel like this is what they're looking for if they ever are going to move Jost. So the fact that it materialized, this is a pretty big win for the Avs, I think. I think this is exactly what they needed. And they did. They really didn't have to give up anything. They didn't have to sweeten it with a pick or anything. They just basically got rid of two players they wanted to get rid of. So that's pretty incredible. Yeah, I can see Chicago being happy just because I, you know, I don't know why, but this is a cap dump for them. Um, you know, Saad looks like a guy that they probably could have used this year, but um, maybe they weren't going to resign. So. Um, they, you know, they ended up getting some value for him. So I, I think the value as far as players is, is starkly in the abs favor. Um, and, and this is apparently pissed off, uh, the leadership core, uh, remaining from the, the cup years in Chicago. It's, Taves was making some comments today that, you know, it, it doesn't sit well with him that they trade a guy like Saad and, you know, they they were never told this was going to be a total rebuild. And, you know, I guess this is creating some friction between those guys. And, uh, yeah. And also there. part of it was they weren't expecting Crawford to not come back. So they're, yeah, that was big that. when they were, when they stopped talking to Crawford, that was something that really pissed those guys off. Um, and I could see that because, you know, Crawford, yeah, he's old, but, you know, he's still good. I, I, I think he was one of the better goalies available in free agency. I, I think that what Chicago is left with is frightening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they they signed Malcolm Subban, and then it seems like they're going with a kind of really inexperienced three-headed trio. Yeah. and. Yeah, Malcolm Subban. Not a whole lot of upside there. Let's be extremely clear. Malcolm Subban is a baddie. Yeah. I mean, this is more of a gong show as far as goalies. This isn't like saying, you know, we've got some good young goalies. Let's try them out and see who wins the job. This is, I don't, you know, it's, it's not good. Um, And and it just, when you get rid of Leonard and Crawford and within a calendar year, um, that's just no, a whole can't mess. Sit, yeah, that can't sit well because, you know, I mean, the, the the Hawks did win a series, even though, you know, it was a, it was a round zero series against the pathetic Oilers. But, um, you know, they're they're not in the situation like Detroit was this year. You know, it's they they weren't non-competitive. They weren't good, um, but they still have Kane and Taves and <clears throat> and Keith. Um, you know, I, I think with a goalie, they probably would be a lot better off and, you know, losing sod obviously doesn't help. Um, well, it would I, seem like their young guys were going to take a step that looked in the playoffs like doc. And then obviously they have, uh, to bring Yeah. So they look like they were headed to competitiveness. And when you mentioned they wanted to cut 
salary cap, which is understandable, but then it's like, what for? And I think that's one of their biggest questions. Not for a goalie, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) Like, okay, he's he's basically looking, he's a pending, Saad is a pending UFA. So you're looking at, okay, this guy's probably not part of the long-term plan. I think everybody knew that. But from what I gather from the fan base is this guy probably would have been one of the best rentals on the market. Yeah. They probably could have got a first round pick. They probably, or they probably could have got a blue chip prospect or maybe like a second and a B prospect. So they're kind of saying, all right, yeah, if to you not get go anything with, the... with upside. Yeah. To not yeah. get anything with upside in the return is, is really weird. Like, you know, Maybe they had Z. I mean, they know Z really well, all right? We pay, We play these guys five times a year. They're f- completely familiar with Zadorov's game. So, you know, they know what he is. Maybe they think, all right, you know, he's being underused in, in Colorado. He's, he's the sixth guy. If we we gave him fourth, third minutes, then, you know, maybe he might be a bit more value there for us. Um, you know, that's debatable. Well, I'm you know, sure Anton Bowman Lindholm obviously adds nothing, but well, they know that too because every time Anton Lindholm comes up, he plays against Chicago. Oh, really? Oh, God, I don't even remember that. <laughs> that's yeah. I'm not even ready to attack that part just yet. Yeah, I'm just glad um... he's gone, and that's nothing against Anton. You know, it's like from all reports, he was really good in the room last year, and you know, he's he's been a good veteran um, for the Avs AHL teams, but. Um, I'm sure he's a great dude, but we make yeah. we make open and honest criticisms of NHL play on this show, and he's not a good one. Yeah, no, I've I've done my share of screaming at the TV when he's on the ice, so glad that's over. I'm sure Bowman's angle, whenever he talks, is going to be, "Hey, we needed to rebuild the defense. We're going to have some young guys like with Boquist. I think." They expect Ian Mitchell to play on the team next year. And then they have a couple other younger guys. I highly doubt those guys will play realistically, but the fans <laughs> think those guys are going to play. So they might play a little. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, they might actually call guys up. So I do understand that. But Bowman's going to probably say, hey, we needed somebody, like our defense was atrocious. We needed somebody to come in and help that defense along with the younger guys so i can understand that angle so he's saying hey this this isn't a tanking move so if you're going to talk to taze you're going to say getting a first round pick for this guy that's more tanking than getting an nhl defenseman because as much as you want to complain about sadorov he is an nhl defenseman and depending how they use him i think he could help them it's just a matter of what they expect and what role they put him in. So I understand targeting him, but yes, the rest of the deal just they got hosed. <laughs> so you Which know, is great. This is great for us. Great for me. Yeah, it's great. Definitely great for us, because you know who is gonna play next year is Brandon Saad for the Colorado Avalanche, probably on a line with Nazm Kadri. Yeah. Yep. Um That is a shitty and- line all of a sudden. I don't know. Sod seems to be more of a playmaker as he's gotten older, but you know he he has had some good goal scoring years. Um, he's also really good puck hound in the offensive zone. Um, reports vary, but it seems like he can PK well. Um, you know, I don't watch Chicago enough to really 
get a feeling of how often he played, but it seemed like he played I've a looked... fair amount of minutes there. I remember his mic heat chart saying PK no. Which is funny because I looked it up. He looks like he's about the he was the fourth forward on the PK. So right. not necessarily like unit one or two, maybe two, but he got a fair amount, like two, an average of two minutes per game on the PK. So it is kind of odd where why that graph depicted him as like no PK. And I looked at some of his metrics. I wouldn't say they were amazing. I'd say for that team, though, he was above average. So I hope the Avs understand that, like that they're getting him for that. And that it's funny that for whatever reason, the metrics say he's awful on the power play. He Which is okay. We beautifully. Have, we have more than enough players yet to be bad on the power play. So it's going to be frustrating if the Avs roll them out on the power play and not on the penalty kill because then it's just like, you know, you're not using the information you have. You know, I understand giving them a try on everything because you just don't know. But yeah. if that's like they're – if they get Sackick or Bednar on – oppressor whatever the hell that happens and Sackick's like oh he's gonna help our power play just you know come on it's... he's gonna help the second unit that plays for 30 <laughs> seconds <laughs> yeah be, I would be fine if he was kind of a second unit power play and played a little PK um, sure. I don't expect him to come in and be the minute muncher on, on penalty kill but just having another guy that uh, can be better than you know some of the guys that they've had um, over the last year or two. Yeah, um, he's not going to replace Nieto, but like we've said plenty of times, and I know we're not going to, we don't have time to go down that road. But it's like they could do better just by using the the personnel they have in a different way. And Sod falls into that category as well. Yes, yeah. Sod is definitely here for even strength. He's here to make the top two lines both you know pretty well fleshed out i mean between mckinnon ranson and burakovsky landeskog kadri and now sad there's there's six names and i'm gonna keep calling him sad apparently i don't know why i've never <laughs> done that before in my life <laughs> um but there's there's six names yeah um and none of them are jt comfer none of them are Jonas donskoy none of them are valerian achushkin it really is, for the first time ever, the Avs have a proper top six. Well, it's a very expensive top six. Um, <laughs> I, I don't think that's sustainable um, as far as, you know, it, it, like, if we're looking down the road to re-signing Saad, uh, I guess yeah, we'll see. I mean, we'll see how he fits in. Right. It's probably um, not the plan. They always could, but... right. I don't it's, think it's not as it's not the definite no that it would have been, say, if we'd, you know, signed someone bigger. Um, you know, a, a six million dollar contract with maybe a little bit of raise. Um, you know, if you're if you're looking at extending that perhaps sometime during the year or over next uh, next summer before UFA, um, you know, they, that, that could be a... doable. They're going to have a little wiggle room before McKinnon gets that contract. After that, it should be like a hard no, but we'll right. see. We'll see if next summer those shorter contracts still make sense for everybody or not. I mean, not much is going to change it, I don't think. 
Yeah, we talked a little bit about this before the show. Next summer, the Avalanche are going to be really busy. Yeah. Well, it's not. I mean, I'm just saying that I, I'm with the the COVID crisis. I I, I think that it's still going to be weird and a flat cap next summer. So I, I think financially, teams are going to be in about the same boat, and we're going to see something fairly similar to what we saw over this free agency period as far as teams being a little scared to spend money. I guess true. the other thing is is that the with the expansion draft, you have to think about who you're going to protect. If you're re-signing yeah. him, does that mean you're protecting him? You know, blah, blah, blah. We'll get into that. But that is probably another thing you think about when regards to who you're re-signing and who you're not. Right. So with Nikita Zadorov going the other way, this was a player that Colorado had pretty clearly been ready to move on from for a while. Definitely his coaching staff was ready to move on from him. Um, so ap- apart from getting a one-year probably rental in exchange for a player that you didn't really want to re-sign anyway, but you had his rights, um, what do the Avalanche lose in Nikita Zadorov that they're not going to find anywhere else in their lineup or anywhere else in their system? And in addition to that, what may they gain from his absence? Um, I, I mean, he's probably the best, and if not that, he's probably real close to being their best defender in the neutral zone. Um, <clears throat> and it, it's going to be interesting how they make up for that, because it's usually when he's on the ice, teams do not run the puck at him. Um, and if they do, it's, it's definitely a win for the Avs. So that's, that's going to be something they're going to, to lose. Um, and I I don't think they have, it's tough to say how they make that up just because we don't really know exactly how they're going to use everybody that they have, what roles are going to be. He is a unique player. I I don't really think they can. Obviously, the physicality, which we know was not all the time, even though you can't really play that way all the time in today's NHL anyway. But yeah. the, the impact he can have on a game when he can, you can visibly see forwards taking a different route entering the offensive zone because he's over there, that they don't really have anything like that to counterbalance it. I personally still probably would have milked the last two RFA years that he has. I would have exposed him in the expansion draft. I wouldn't have signed him long-term, but I, for me personally, I wouldn't have just got rid of him because the Avs have worked so hard just to have defensive depth at real depth and not Gary depth. And losing him does feel like they're a little bit thinner there. And obviously the plus, I mean, really the only real plus in all this for me is if now there's a spot for Byram, which as of this second, it seems like there is, but it also feels like the group, even including Byram is going to be a little too thin for their liking. And they're going to sign another defenseman. Now, whether or not that guy's more of a seven, whether or not he's more of a bottom pair guy or whether or not he's like a top four guy, is really going to set the stage for Byron because he's a guy you have to plan for. And we'll see if they made that plan for him. So moving Zadorov is a step in that direction, but I don't necessarily think that was made 
just for Byram. I think they want something different in their defenseman, and we'll see what the answer to that is. I mean, I think they're definitely going to sign another defenseman. I, they don't have the money um, to, to sign a, a top four guy right now. Um, yeah, that's the other maybe. takeaway from this, is with, with sw- swapping out Z- Z- Zadorov's salary for Brandon Sods, you're definitely out on Taylor Hall. You're definitely out on uh, Petran- uh, Petrangelo as well. Like, uh, You just aren't going to make that work. I don't think they're ever in on those guys anyway, but... Um, if I, 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 I think they do need to sign one more NHL quality defenseman that's, um, able to play either a bottom pair or a seventh defenseman role. Um, I I think just having, I I don't think you want to go into a season having to play Byram every night. Um, and I, I, that's counterintuitive because I want Byram to play every night, but I just I, I don't think the pressure should be there that like either this works or we're fucked. Um, and I don't think it would be bad, especially in, in maybe the first half of the season, if he takes a night off every third game or every fifth game or something like that. And, and we have a defenseman that we keep fresh rather than what they did with Connaughton and Barbario last year, which is never play them and they come in. In a way, though, that's the bed in our way. He just he wants to have know, his lineup he wants, and he wants to play it, and that's just that's right. And but I, it, and that comes I, with the commitment to Byron. If they're committing to him, they're playing him. That that doesn't mean a scratch here or there is the end of the world because it's not. But no, I, I would fully expect that. But they pretty much would have to decide to play him every night, and I still really hope they do because regardless of when they start playing him. You will be a rookie. So you just you need to get that out of the way and then you reap the benefits once you you're through that. So Well also you know, all right, whoever they sign as this mythical seventh D I'm positing. Um that's the guy that's gonna come in and be the first injury replacement when EJ breaks. So I, I think it's important that you have a guy that you can count on to come in and play when one of your defensemen get hurt. They got really lucky with defenseman injuries. I mean, as, as bad as forward injuries were last year, um, they really got lucky. Like EJ got hurt. Yeah, but not that much. And, and, you know, Makar, um, you know, he lost a bunch of games like Cole with his problems. We thought he was going to miss half the season. He missed like five games, I think. Um, I think Graves missed two or something like that. So they really got lucky with that. I, you know, it, it could turn tables next year and, and the defense is injured all the time and the forwards stay healthy the entire season. So, Well, that's um, sort of why I, I, I think you the door you, off, but and make Ian yeah, Cole just, a seven. Like, if Cole's your seven, then you're, yeah, when you, someone goes down, you feel pretty good that you've got someone that's at least NHL quality that you're playing. Yeah, but, I mean, I don't hate Cole enough to not want him in the lineup every night. I mean, he actually, I think he adds something. I mean, I, I would rather have Cole in the lineup than Zadorov. Um, but so we'll just see who they choose. I mean, it could be Gilbert. He was part of this deal, but the more that I dig on him, he's just he's he he'll probably get a call up because that's how the Avs roll. But even Chicago knew that he he wasn't. He's just a spot duty guy. He's not a guy that you. 
keep around. His spin on Chicago, some of his metrics were pretty bad too. So, how does he compare to Anton point. Lindholm? I mean, that's that's not fair. Um, he, he probably has more offense than Lindholm, which that is a <clears throat> bare bottom <laughs> hurdle to clear. Uh, he's younger. He is on his ELC still, actually. Um, he is. And he went to Notre Dame, and so they obviously s- saw plenty of his games when he was there because he was there concurrently with Morrison and <laughs> Lieberman and Clerman and everybody. Which, spoiler alert, this will be a theme later on in the podcast. So watch out for that. <laughs> um, so they, you know, this wasn't just like, oh, Dennis Gilbert sounds good, throw him in. You know, they they knew this guy. I don't know if they targeted him, but, you know, I guess it, if he was mentioned, they knew exactly what they were getting. So um, we'll see kind of how that plays out. Um you know what what he evolves into in the av system and whatnot but I, I i agree i don't think he's a guy that's ready to be a seventh defenseman or bottom pairing defenseman at this point and then just the lindholm part of the equation it it is pretty funny that an nhl team wanted him in any way yeah <laughs> it's it's just like that it, it's like the same thing that was with martinson it's like once you have a certain number of nhl games like other teams think there's some value there like, they could probably put Dries in a trade if they wanted to because some teams would be like, oh, wow, he played 50 games or whatever it is and think that that's, like, He's got playoff valuable. experience. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah Second-round game seven experience. Oh. That's yeah, I made super the comment veteran. yesterday, I can't believe someone besides Anton Lindholm's parents wanted Anton Lindholm. But, <laughs> um, and, and, again, that's not fair to Anton because – he is a good guy and all and that, I agree but... with that too, but <laughs> I think the place for him is Sweden and he could be very happy there playing in in that type of league and never scoring and he could probably play forever in Sweden and ride his bike through the snow to work and stuff and like that. Yeah. It would be a great life for him, you know. I don't I don't wish bad on him. I just the thought of Anton Lindholm in the NHL for any team I, should I, be I... a flat no. Yeah, and you know, I, the only thing I really know about Gilbert in the NHL is that he fought Landeskog. Um, he sure did. <laughs> he did. <laughs> you know, so, in a weird way, maybe, that. <laughs> maybe he brings a little bit of that Zadorov because he is a bigger guy. He's not Zadorov size, but it's a bigger guy. He does have that physical element where he can hit and fight. But you know, you're not calling that guy up for that. You're. You're hoping yeah, that he damn can... enough for that if they really want him. <laughs> <laughs> so, hockey you know, player, if he's uh, yeah. go ahead, I was going to move us on. So you you go first. Just going to say if if he ends up just being a, a mainstay in Loveland, they need another look on defense. So I'm fine yeah. with that. Just don't don't give him the that we traded for you. So therefore, you must get 15 chances before everybody else. We will definitely um, give due time to Loveland a little bit later in the show. Um, Hockey Twitter, and apparently Jonathan Taves, thinks that Joe Sackick took the Blackhawks into the alley and demanded everything in their pockets. Do you agree? Yeah, they got incredible value here. I think it's good. I, I mean, I, I 
like I said at the beginning, I, I think Chicago did get some things they wanted. They got Zadorov to play defense with some of their young guys. They got rid of some salary. Um, they got value for a guy they weren't going to resign next year. But, I mean, you're talking about how you know, which team improved the most. I think it's pr- a pretty clear-cut win. I, I like, I think it was Filipovic said, if Joe Sackett calls me up and wants to do a trade, I'm hanging up. <laughs> <laughs> Except for goaltenders. Except for goaltenders. <laughs> but, um, um, yeah, you could look at it where Zadorov, maybe they give a one-year trial. Maybe after that they sign him. So you could see some... He's not a rental, and Saad is a rental. You could make that argument, but... Yeah. The Avs getting a top six forward for a guy that they wanted to get rid of and negative value Lindholm without having to add anything else, without having to add any picks, without having to add any real prospects, and on top of it getting $1 million retained, which I think the public and hockey Twitter focuses on that a little too much. Like, oh my god, you got him to retain a million bucks. Like, that immediately bumps the trade up, like, an entire level. I <laughs> kind of disagree with that. I mean, it's just a million, but hey, yeah. they still that's still something else the abs got in the trade that they there really was no reciprocal value there so and i was yeah, a little dubious a about zadorov I, I was a little dubious on zadorov's value um you know just maybe because we know him so well and we know his faults to the nth degree and yeah but know, he's it, an nhld how many he has like what over 400 games like He's someone I'm, that would I'm just play saying that there, I mean a lot of people in the stats community are are fully aware of his issues. Uh, I think the stats community is a little I, down on him than reality. Yeah, exactly. And and like I said, like what he's really good at is really hard to put on paper. Um, it's, you know, controlling the neutral yeah. zone the way that he does is not something that shows up. In a lot of metrics. No, the, um, the stats you're looking for to see how to, to measure Zadorov's defense are micro stats, and there's not a yeah. whole lot of people tracking micro stats for smaller teams like the Colorado Avalanche. So, I mean, we we can sit here and speculate that Zadorov is probably one of the best defenders in the NHL at the at his own blue line one on one. Right. But and no one can say otherwise because there's no evidence. Right. And and even Schneider's. Um, stats i i don't think he tracked more than 15 for the abs so it, he you know and we know zadorov's inconsistency so he might not have gotten a good sample size on it that's for sure all right so let's switch gears there's a few re-signings to get to um but first let's talk about the new abs prospects that the team just drafted this week colorado oh entered the nhl draft with six draft picks uh, the second day lasted so goddamn long. They decided, you know what, fuck seventh round, and just use that pick to trade up in the seventh or in the fifth. That's an extremely dubious value swap, but it's one I support completely. In the name of get on with it. Yeah. No, and, and I'm sure they had tea times and other stuff to get to that was more important than a seventh round pick. You know who doesn't really. So these are not things I know anything about. So it's y'all's time to shine here. Tell me about the Avs first round selection, 25th overall defender, Justin Barron from Halifax, the Q, of course, a place Avs fans are pretty familiar with now. Yeah. 
Go ahead, Jackie. All right. Well, um, first of all, just the basics. He's a right shot defenseman. It's about 6'2", I don't know, 180 or 190. He's a pretty good size right now. Um, which we had talked about in their system for more defensemen, especially high-end defensemen. And his type of game is somewhat similar to Timmons. He does play a bit more physical. One thing that that is a great attribute with Baron is he's a great skater. So he's got good size. He's already a very, very good skater. He's more of a... I think he fits the mold more of a third-pair puck mover. I feel like he does have maybe number four second pair upside if he really hits. So he's someone that he does have good puck skill. He can move the puck. He's good. He's also a very good transitional player, which is one aspect I could see that the abs had targeted him for his game. We'll get to the other aspects in a second. Um, And he had an interesting year. So he's a late birthday, which means that, he will be age eligible in a year. He's only five months younger than Byram. So he is in that age group more than the younger guys in this draft class. Uh, so he missed most of last year with a blood clot in his shoulder. So he started the year, I think he left in November. He actually did come back for a couple games before the COVID shut down. And he has yet to begin playing for Halifax this year because he had a corrective procedure on that shoulder, which is supposedly going to prevent the blood clots from ever happening again. So this is not a genetic issue or something where he has to take blood thinners the rest of his life. It was more of a, his body grew a certain way and just made a kink in one of his blood vessels and they just needed to fix it. So... So it's it's more Martin Kalk than Tomas Fleischmann. Yes, yes. So I'm I not think it's way, way less than either, I think. <laughs> I'm not concerned about it. The Avs doctor signed off on it. I'm I'm not going to question their opinion and and the way it was described like this, I think is a very satisfactory answer. Now, I feel like Barron's been their guy all along. They probably would have picked him if they had 24. They probably would have picked him if they had 20, I think. Um because he just has so many connections. He's part of that Nova Scotia crew that the Avs are building. So he plays in Halifax, but he's also from Halifax. His brother is Morgan Barron, who is the one of the top prospects for the Rangers. He was a late bloomer, went to Cornell. Cornell, you say? Yes, Morgan Barron is best friends and was roommates with Steinberg, who's also best friends with... Justin Barron, and they also all are very close with Bowers, Newhook, and you can throw in the older Graves and McKinnon, but they're definitely in the older age group, so these are not coincidences, let's just say. The Avs seem to have heavily targeted guys they're familiar with, and maybe guys that they know, their family, and etc., which is important. But I, you just got to hope they didn't tunnel vision a little bit too much here with Baron. Like, he probably was appropriate at the end of the first round. He was thought of as higher. Like he, but going into the year, he was thought of as, as somewhat of a 
maybe 10 to 15 pick. But it, I would also say it's not just the blood clot, though. I think some scouts have been a little bit concerned with some of his hockey, maybe a little bit of his brain cramps. Uh, in a way, not so much Alexadorov. And when he was in the Memorial Cup against the Huskies, uh, yet another connection here, uh, last last uh, May, he got a little exposed on that stage. He just some of the defending, some of the decision making. He can he loves to skate out the puck and carry it, but he can turn it over a lot. So that's one concern that people have, which might limit his ceiling to more of a third pair guy if he just really can't be relied on. In, in bigger minutes. And then before I throw it over to you guys, one other connection was that um, Baron is a Hockey Canada favorite. So he's been, I think there's a decent chance he's on the World Junior team this year. And when he played in the Holinka, he played in the same, on the same team as Byram, and they were paired together. And they were also paired together in last year's World Junior Summer Showcase. So that's that's another way that the Avs have have seen quite a bit of Baron, so they they're very familiar with this player. Um, let me ask y'all a quick yeah. a quick question. Um, based on what you just said about them, maybe looking for a player that they're a little bit more familiar with, uh, that they have more experience, you know, with with him and people around him. Um, given from what I was able to make out of the first round, it was very wide open very unpredictable once you got out of the top five or ten um definitely a draft that didn't really seem to be as high end as other drafts and that makes it just harder to really project what you're going to get out of a player so do you think that there could maybe be some benefit to relying on you know somebody that you're that you do have that familiarity with i think there's some I think I mean, the I, first I, round was pretty good in general. Like it, it was a deeper first round. And I think, it, if, as funny as it is, it didn't stray off consensus as much as maybe some other drafts. Like when I was at the 2018 draft, that one got a little wild. Um, I thought that the Europeans would maybe collectively all, all be in higher favor just because they're playing right now. Their futures are a lot more known than some of the CHL players, even though the Q is playing in some capacity right now. So Baron could be playing right now, and that could also be a little bit more of that comforting feeling, knowing that this guy's going to play games at least. Yeah, I mean, I I think Heppel's interview that, that the Avs posted last week you know, he said that, that they all got really comfortable doing the interviews over um, Zoom or whatever um, and, and looking at guys on video rather than being able to, to see things firsthand. But uh, as far as your question goes, I, I think the fact that there's so many co- connections with this guy, you know, they can turn to Mac and say, you know, is he a good kid? You know, what do you know about him? Or, or they can, you know, talk to Steenberg and, and Bowers and all those guys. And, just say, you know, what what do you think of Justin as a as a guy? Um, you know, they they had more of a book on him than they they probably had on anyone else. Um, but I guess to answer your question too, I don't know if that was just because this year, or if the Avs 
are kind of because this is not the first instance that they love their connections. So are <laughs> are they getting into uh, the cocoon even more? Like, I if I had to characterize this draft, I would call it the blankie draft. They just they just went for that comfort, and I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if it's a trend because. I think it's going to be even more challenging for the 2021 draft because there may not be as much, as many viewings there may like all these guys missed out on was the combine and playoffs and UAT, which is a lot, but they had most of their seasons done. So that was a lot to go on. Now, if the opposite happens here, like if they can still do the U18 and the combine and, and things like that Memorial cup, okay, that's probably a lot of data points. But if they're still not able to do that, plus a very limited season, then you you might go the, that direction where you just, you have to just go with what you are comfortable with. Because it, the, nobody re- really would have seen these kids. And I think that, I, I think that each team has certain areas that they really like. Um, and and they're more comfortable with, and I I don't think it's, I, I know the abs are are very sort of clutchy with things like that, but <laughs> other teams do the same thing as well. Oh sure, of um, course. The, no, the like... Nova Scotia thing is weird to me because it just seems like that the abs have a monopoly on that. It's such um, a small group. They... Right. It and is it's funny like these guys, that these guys so all skate few. together in the summertime. It, and... <laughs> You know, it's not like just being from Ontario where there's like a billion hockey players and it's not like everybody knows each other. So it, it's it's a different ball game than that. Um, so, I, you know, I, I remarked a couple of weeks ago, I I thought it'd be interesting if the Kroenke started a, a hockey academy, funded <laughs> a hockey school or whatever in Nova Scotia. Halifax, Nova Scotia. <laughs> right. You know, have their own Shattuck St. Mary's there in Halifax somewhere. So, um, yeah, no, I totally... Every team has their biases, has their their angles, you know, whatever. It's just the Avs, I think, are are on the the end of the bell curve there. But no, I'm definitely not going to say the Avs are the only ones that enjoy nepotism, right? And but one one thing we do have to discuss with Baron is, like I mentioned, he is that late birthday. He's an O one prospect, just like Byram, and going to the AHL. I don't know if that was smart strategy, because like I had said several times, this would be the time to take a Euro knowing they're going to stay in Europe. You can leave your hands off. If you want that guy to take two, three, four years, you know, he's probably playing pro somewhere over there. This is like the opposite. This is saying this guy will be in our hands in a year. We have to have it hit like his waiver exemption will be up in four years, like just flat out. So, you you can't even just say oh we'll see what this guy is in three or four years we'll see what we need like you can't take a guy like this and just have no idea what's going to happen because in all reality this year he'll be in Halifax okay next year he'll be in the AHL you have to have an idea what he's doing after that you have two years basically to figure to have and execute a real plan so that's my concern just because they went complete opposite of what they should have. And like he's he was picked 15 picks higher than Malosh. And and yes, a first rounder and all these connections probably gives him 
a leg up, but we're also not talking about a significant difference in situation here either. And I'll just say that I'm I'm really happy that they took a defenseman, and I know I'm I'm supposed to root for BPA, but you know I I'm one of the I, I concentrate on prospects more after they enter the system, and it you know I I like to have a nice balance covered. Um, and the Avs really needed to come up with a, a higher level defenseman out of this draft, or <clears throat> you know th- there are other ways to acquire them, but this is the easiest. Um, I just I don't know if they'd ever use a guy from their system on the third pair. You know, so yeah. for me, yeah. I mean, yeah, you want to have a little bit of everything, but realistically, is it going to matter? I guess we'll see. Okay. Um, we told some lies earlier. By the time you listen to this show, what we said earlier about Taylor Hall will no longer be true. It looks like he's going to sign in Buffalo. Wow, he went after the monies then. Looks that Buffalo, way. New York. Is there another Buffalo? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Buffalo, 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 Buffalo. What did Eichel fly over and take him to dinner and bag? Like, I don't know. That's interesting because I was saying the other night that they should make the play for Petrangelo because that's, that's that's something they could use. But um, <laughs> good for him. Yeah, we don't know the numbers yet. I'll, I'll let y'all know once we get to the you know to another actual transition in our in our topics. But I just wanted to go ahead and get that out there now. Um, that looks like Taylor Hall is going to be a saver, where his uh, the importance of winning may be mildly dubious. Um, <laughs> I mean, I hope he got term. If if he had to take like two years to go to Buffalo, that would just be sad. Well, we'll, we'll find out in a little bit. Um, the S <laughs> had no second round pick, so we jumped to the third round, where Colorado take Jean-Luc Foody, center from Windsor of the OHL, at 75 overall. This is probably their best pick. Uh, yeah. This also me, might be the only pick they actually like scouted, and that was the reason why they chose him. Um... He feels like second round quality to me, so this yeah. um this really makes up for not having a second round pick because I think he was thought of as getting taken in the second. There were some people even thought he should have been taken at twenty five, which would not have been on board with even in even without hindsight. But um, he's probably the most exciting part of this class. Not that not having a first rounder is exciting, but um, this was a good pick for them. Yeah, the, I mean, the, the kid is probably the one of the best skaters in the draft. I mean, it, just watching highlights and watching him skate, you're just like, wow. Um, and that's not even, like, fan hyperbole. That's No, and he... it's not just speed either. I mean, he's got agility and everything else, and he's able to, he's able to skate with the puck very well. And so I, I think it's a great fit for the organization, and I think this is a guy... Um, that it's probably easier for them to turn into a pro um, than someone they have to teach other things. Um, it, it's more like he, you know, he's either going to be good enough or he's not, and that's the kind of thing. If he's good enough, he's going to be good. Um, so we should at least I, be I, able I, to get something out of that skating. Like if he if he doesn't translate any offense whatsoever, he should be able to be Logan O'Connor. Yeah. I mean, he's not Luke Walker. I mean, he's not just skating. You know, he can handle the puck. He's a little more of a playmaker than a, a shooter. Um, but 
I, I think he can get stronger and get a little better shot, a little quicker release. Maybe help that out, but um, definitely an exciting guy to watch. Maybe the Avs had a little bit of comfort with his brother Liam. Uh, if people aren't familiar, played for Columbus in the playoffs, which was cool because he was in the OHL the year this year or last year, whatever you want to call it. So for them to take kids straight from the OHL, and then they had so many injuries, they actually called him up a few times. So yeah, he should be on the team next year. So if you're looking for, you want to call it bloodlines or whatever, it looks like his brother's going to be an NHL player. So you you see some projectability, even though John looks a little bit different. Liam has a little bit more of that grinder mentality, that Columbus mentality. And John looks a little bit more finesse, I would say. So, um, yeah, some people do question a little bit of the hockey. And it's interesting stuff. that 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 article that you found about their track background and whatnot. Um, you know, the, it, it's impressive when you see a, a crossover sport help in in a way like that. Um, their mother was an, an Olympic um, track athlete, and the, it's something that they've done in the off season. For a while, and so yeah, and their so dad I, played. They're, they're genetically fast, but they've trained to be fast as well. And they're yeah, and their dad was a, a yeah. CFL player. Which exactly, it's that genetic gift, which is why he is such a fantastic skater, and and then he's also a good transition player. I was gonna say some people have questioned why maybe he fell to the third round was the hockey sense. Sometimes he can hold onto the puck and circle around, and not much happened. But I have watched a. F- a decent number of video on him just in this short while. And he is a good playmaker. He does look to pass. It's just, it's funny. Someone remarked and it's true that they put him on the line with some of the slowest players. Like you remember Curtis Douglas, the guy that was like six, seven and couldn't skate. That's who he played on line with. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you have Sean Luke in the offensive zone, like full five seconds before the, the rest of his teammates, you know, only do so much. And, and um, I, I was looking at an article um, that had some microstats on zone entries and exits and whatnot um, from a guy that tracks that in the OHL, and he rated very favorably in that. So, if, if that's something the Avs scouted, that's right in their wheelhouse as far as definitely um, neutral zone play and the way they like puck. And they actually did some testing of the top prospects game, which was in January. So they do have some, that's the only time they do on ice testing. And then they did a little off ice testing and he rated one of the tops in that. And especially with his speed and being able to carry the puck at the same time. So he's not just all speed and no hands or anything like that. And I'd say some of his issues, maybe playing a little bit more on the outside are attributed to strength that like he's still only about 170 pounds. So like when he really fills out that athlete's body and all that, he should be able to play maybe in traffic a little bit more. So see pretty good upside here, maybe middle six just depends how it all works out. And he'll have two more years in the OHL. So I won't need to sign him till then. And, uh, Hopefully they don't plan on having him in the AHL too long, but but it's a good pick. Like I said, it's probably my favorite pick of the class. So just from the way you're describing him, the name that comes to mind for me is Michael Grabner. How wrong am I? 
that could be he's 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 not i mean it i i don't know if grabner was sort of the pk wizard that he was um that he is now um back when he entered the but yeah it's like that that speed that transition the ability to to capture the puck and go forward with it but not I mean, if score you can turn him into a <laughs> yeah, you hopefully turn him into a PKer. I mean, that would be great too. It's not like he has no shot. It's just he's probably a better yeah. passer, better carrying the puck, better passer. Okay, so not not a great comparable, but at least skating wise, like when you when you tell me that a guy skates really well, playmakes fairly well, and doesn't really score a whole lot, that's who comes to mind for me. Um, hopefully he can he can develop some defense because that would be a Good way to work him into the National Hockey League. Um, yeah, for sure. The details on the Taylor Hall deal is one year, $8 million. Oh. Well, at least he's not committing to Buffalo. So it uh, makes you wonder, no one else was offering him one year, $8 million? I don't know. It's very, yeah. very confusing. Yeah. So I like the Avs fourth rounder quite a bit because his name is so damn cool. Center Colby Ambrosio from Tri-City in the UC- USHL. I tried to call the UCHL. The, the words aren't <laughs> happening today, folks. Colby Ambrosio. He's also from BC. He's a, he's a freshman at BC right now. Oh, Boston College. <laughs> yeah, like with Newhook and Hellison. <laughs> what a coincidence. <laughs> I thought you meant British Columbia. And okay, good. You're still here. So, did everyone just go? Yeah. No. I just remembered. I don't think I ever said what foodie. Foodie's like five eleven. If anyone was just wondering about talking about strength, you know, maybe people are worrying he's like five, you know, small or something. He's not small. He's like five eleven, six foot. Okay. Anyway, however, Ambrosio is small. He's between like he five is. eight and five nine. <laughs> and um. He de- he de- really does remind you of like one of those super AHL scores like like Grimaldi and uh Tynan. You no, know, he just he has that that vibe about him. He's he has that energy that that you see in those kind of guys, so he's he's a little bit of a tryhard. He's got that energy, a little bit of a spark plug to him. So, it's one of those those guys, he's skilled, small, but it is good he's starting at a big program like that. So we'll yeah. see. I kind of liken him to the Smirnov pick, somebody that scored well in the USHL. Now, I know when they got Smirnov, he'd already played one year. So this is Ambrosio's freshman year. But just a smaller guy, skilled. You hope that he can be your Gaudreau. He can be your your miracle. Yeah, and he, his points are very skewed towards power play points in, in Tri-City. Um, I'm excited to see sort of what BC does with him. Like, if he ends up playing with Newhook um, on the power play, I think that could be pretty exciting. Um, if if they end up putting them together 5v5, that's going to be really good news for Ambrosio, of course. Um, you know, if, if that... I think their styles could mesh well because they're both, you know, kind of go-go-go guys. Um and, then and he's another Canadian. Playing with new book means player. you're going to score a lot. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think uh, the ads have got to have like at least twenty or thirty percent share of all Canadian NCAA players. Yeah, it's big for them. Um, I, you know, I, I, I watched some of 
it's tough for me to watch USHL because you just don't even know what it really means. But um, just sort of watching him perambulate around the ice and everything like that. Um, you know, it, it, he's going to be fun to see uh, in his college career and sort of what comes out the other end. His interview was fun. I will say you can tell where the energy comes from. He's just yeah. a, a spark plug of a kid. Yeah. Sounds like y'all are kind of reading like a sort of, sort of quadruple A player into this one. Probably. It's tough yeah, to say. I, I mean, so. if he was like two inches taller, he'd be a little more sort of, okay, you know, we've got something to work with. It's like if he ends up 5'10 and 190, then you know what? That's, you know, that's not a bad size. Um, if he doesn't grow much more, that just makes it a little bit tougher. I think so, too. That's probably the most likely outcome. But, of course, he'll be given the opportunity and time to develop, and we'll see. So the player the Avs traded up in the fifth round to take was Ryder Rolston from USHL Waterloo. And he's listed as a right wing. So why did the Avs trade up for this one? Well, because <laughs> this... Because his dad played if, for the Avs. <laughs> yeah, if there weren't enough connections before, this was the 100% nepotism choice. So this was the one we called like months ago. Yeah. And I even wrote my article, if we're going nepotism, this would be the guy. <laughs> he is the only player in the Sackick era that they have traded up for to draft. So congratulations. So it's just funny. I don't know. They just, they trade up 10 spots. They just felt like they just couldn't lose them. You know, just had to have the guy. <laughs> But I was worried they would do it at 75. So at yeah. least they did it in the fifth round. But of course they had to trade up to do it. And yeah, seventh in a draft that was taking forever. But that could have been another goalie. That could have been another Euro, you know, whatever. Could have been something. But it wasn't. They got that anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no goalie. So maybe we gave up our goalie. But um you know, he's he's just another one of those. I think he's a little bit more physical, maybe not quite as try hard. He's more defensive, I'd also say. He doesn't have no skill. Some of the other nepotism ones were like no skill. So the, this guy at least has some promise in that area. But we're definitely more in the Steinberg aisle than anything else with Ralston. Yeah, I remember watching the USNTDP last year, just looking at the, the guys who were draft eligible last year. Um, and he caught my eye because, um, you know, out of the guys in their bottom six, you know, he, he was definitely intriguing. <clears throat> um, I mean, you know, he's going to be a, a long shot. He's going to Notre Dame, so, you know. Which, surprise, surprise, for him Notre too. Dame. So, yeah, <laughs> offense isn't going to develop. Yeah, so he'll be hanging with Clerms and Lieberman. <laughs> um, it's you know I, I like the pick. I, I you know I'm bad at, at looking at guys as far as draft potential, but it just he was a guy that caught my eye and it's B minus. So you know I'm fine with. It. And hey, we'll see. Will, will the nepotism guys get a chance? At least that's something, right? Yeah, like that's I mean, why it, I'm not writing off Steinberg because. 
you feel like they're just gonna be dying to give this guy a chance when he leaves school when he's like 24 years old sure so could be the same thing with ralston I, he isn't as good of a skater he kind of has a weird weird mechanics he's not necessarily slow but there's something there that they they're gonna have to work on yeah, I was watching a, a shift by shift with Ambrosio, and it was against Waterloo. So Ralston was on the other side, and you know they they, they would call his number, and you're looking like whoa. <laughs> so I, I think <laughs> skating is something that that he needs to work on just uh, mechanically. Um, definitely got a motor. Um, so I, I think you know he's going to be motivated to work on that. I think it's probably something be correctable. Yeah, you can usually fix a mechanical skating issue. It's just I'm a little bit blown away that both of y'all can remember an awkward skating thing from one of the hundreds of prospects out there. It's, <laughs> it's either really noticeably bizarre or y'all are just like. Well, I just watched, watched this the other day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't watch lots of. Pro- I I can only focus on the guys that we got. It's just it's too much for me. But, um, you know, it, it it's interesting. <laughs> Yeah, it's weird. It's almost I, like he I, hunches I'm, I'm over. Waiting to get waist. Dario's take on his skating, let's say. <laughs> it's it's like he hunches over at the waist. Like he's almost kind of like leaning over. And yeah. it's like, why? Why are kind of chopping you... wood too? I mean, there's a lot going on there. <laughs> <laughs> well finally <But> it... <laughs> Finally with, with what was now their final selection, uh, Colorado picked up Nilsson Mann a center from Lexan Zayef of the Swedish Hockey League with pick 167 in the sixth round. He is a little bit older. He is older. Um, yeah, he's 20. I think this was his last go around. Uh, he's already playing in the Swedish Hockey League. He is actually currently playing. He's played about five or six games this season. And he has 20 Looks goals. Like... Yeah, I don't think he has any points. <laughs> oh. And the guy that's getting close to 20 goals is Bocage, by the way. Yeah. But, um... <laughs> he scores nightly, at least. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, Oman, Oman, I also think is how we were told it's pronounced from our lovely Swedes. Um, it looks like he has the third-line center role pretty locked up there, which is good for a 20-year-old in the Swedish Hockey League. It's I haven't watched video of him yet, but some of the uh, some of those games are available if you want to find them. So uh, I've heard that he's decent defense, smart center, decent defensively. So we'll see if this is more Lindholm or not. It does seem like a guy that they can, and I think Heppel did mention they're they're thinking of waiting a couple years. I also think he has a couple years left on his contract, which is not as prohibitive as a Russian contract. So, I uh, someone that is on a Swedish well, contract, they only have two years to sign over. him. Is the thing. I don't know yep. why that would be. I don't know either, but that's how they had it on cap friendly. Is it because um, he's older? And maybe. I, I don't know. Because usually you got four with yeah, Euros. Yeah, usually you get but, four years with Euros. But, but maybe it's because he was in his 20-year-old season that that it's truncated. I don't know. Yeah, maybe it's 22 and not four years. Yeah, that could be. Um, so so we'll see. If they bring him over in two years, it could be someone that he obviously, I'm sure, will go to the AHL and 
we'll just see from there. So it, I'm cautiously optimistic here. It's it's what I wanted them to do with a higher pick. You know, like top 100 pick is get a euro, but you know this is what they're comfortable with, and it's finally took an older guy in this position because probably has a greater chance of working out for them. You have a better idea who the player is. I'm kind of. I'm I'm kind of in the opposite camp on this. Like it, it, if you look at what where this guy was at 18, it wasn't very impressive. Should we be impressed with where he is now? Um, and and Heppel mentioned that he he was uh, probably destined to be on Sweden's uh, World Junior team last year, but had some injuries. Um, I I don't know. I I just. I, I, I think it's a kind of a mirage because you're you're looking at him like oh he's playing in the C in the SHL already I mean look at all that but he's 20 so he's much closer to his ceiling and um you know I just I, it depends I'm what just you're not gonna sure use I like for. how they did this pick I like if you look at like Carolina's draft that's a team that drafts skill 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 like all the way top to bottom so. I could say, you could say, you know, do I wish the Avs did that or the, do I wish they were going for more upside? As a whole, I'd say yes, but considering what this class has been up to that point, I get it. So, I mean, you're well, right. Let's okay, turn it he's... around here. Pretend we had taken him two years ago with a seventh or whatever, an extra seventh we had. Would you be happy with, with how it's going so far? I mean, isn't that comparable to some of the other guys? Like, you know, God, how many years ago did we take Clerman or Lieberman or like those guys are I'm, even no, anywhere I'm just close saying, to like, contributing? What would you have felt about the pick at the time, and and would you feel better now? I mean, yeah, it's nice he's in the top league now, and probably had a shot at, at World Juniors last year. Um, I don't know. It, it just it, it's tough that he's old already, and you only have two years to make a decision. Yes, and it sort of. I mean, not that I'm, yeah, I'm still a not six round sure pick is ever going to get you anything, but, but I'm still not sure about the two years, but I'll have to look into that. Um, I don't know. Like at the, t if two years ago he was touted as like this guy with upside, I don't think he was. I even tried to look back in the 2018 draft guide, 2019 draft guide. He wasn't in there. So I don't think he was ever <laughs> on the radar as like, as like a high skill guy. So does it really matter if you're taking a guy? He probably, I don't even know where he was two years ago. I mean, one year ago he was in the J20 league. So what yeah, if he was even in a, in a lower league than that? I don't know. Would you really be that yeah. excited with the guy that doesn't seem to have a ton of upside? So in doing it this way, you know what he is a little bit more. You know he can play at the men's level. It just seems like the obvious thing is bring him over. Hope he's not Lindholm in the AHL and go from there. Yeah. Well, it it would be really a mess if he was Lindholm because that's a center, and you you need some offense in your game, at least at least a drop. Yeah, yeah, you'd hope. <laughs> so overall, what are y'all's takeaways from the Avalanche's draft hall? They had six picks and low draft positioning, so their expected values kind of among the lowest in the league. Um, so with keeping that context in mind, how do you feel like they did? 
Yeah, de- no, definitely. You, we, we knew going in this was not going to be an impactful draft. I think they did fine. I'd say overall it's maybe like a B minus. I, like I said, it's kind of the blanky draft or the whoopee draft. It feels very safe, but within that, especially since you got Foodie, that that really raises your hopes for the the group. And and Baron is a solid pick, you know. As as much as maybe we didn't talk so much about his upside and about what he could really bring to the abs. He, he has potential there. So if you're looking at a one, two punch there with your top 100 picks, you did pretty good considering the fact you didn't have any others. And then the rest, of course, when you get past 100, you're always just hoping for certain things. I would have probably gone a little less blanky, but you know, they're, they're sub 100 picks. What can you do? So like I said, B minus I'm content enough. I I have some optimism. We'll see. Yeah, I I like <clears throat> I like Foodie a lot. I think that's you know, and and if you look at kind of Sampo and and Bocage in the in the third round and Ananen, um, you know that that's that seems to be a sort of a, a good sweet spot for re- what their scouts are looking at. They're they're probably squeezing a little more value out of that than than some other teams. Um. You know, I, I think Ambrosio is an interesting enough that it, it's an intriguing pick, at least. Uh, you know, if he can't be good, be interesting. So there's that. Um, I don't know if Ralston's going to make me watch Notre Dame. I mean, the other guys didn't, so. But... <laughs> I'll watch. It's okay. I'll watch. <laughs> but I, 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 I think the first three picks are, are guys that, that intrigue me for sure. All right. So, um... That's pretty much going to wrap the draft. I, I don't think we can overemphasize enough just how dreadful it was to even sort of follow this thing. It's usually over in like four hours and it took nine on day two. Yeah, that was crazy. No, no one expected it to take that long. I, I couldn't leave when round... I came home and it was still going on, you know, <laughs> right, like <laughs> it started I planned... when I came home from lunch. I get back from work at five 30 and it's still going on. I, I, one, right, thing like I... I will, one remark I wanted to make, um, everyone except the Swede is right-handed, which is, I don't know if it's something they targeted or just fell that way, but that's kind of cool. Cause they, they've been sort of trending <laughs> left way too much in the minor leagues. So yeah, I don't um, think that'd be a reason why they would take anyone specifically. Maybe Baron, just because it kind of works out. Yeah, I mean, right-handed deer are definitely more valuable. Um, but it's but just interesting the that they all came out right-handed. Yeah. yeah. They do seem to value right-handed in the system. But yeah, they were taking Ralston whether or not he was left-handed or not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... With that out of the way and, and done and the draft wrapped up, we return to Free Agency Friday, where famously, nothing fucking happened. <laughs> the Avs signed Mika Salamaki, Kiefer Sherwood, and Mike Vecchioni for one year apiece. And they also re-signed Sheldon Dries, who we'll get to. But first, tell me what, if anything, you know about these other names that I've never heard before. Salamaki, you might remember because he played for the Predators against us in the playoffs a couple of years ago. Yeah, I, um, I, I recognize the name Salamaki. That's yeah, he's a fourth it. liner for them. Yeah, um, he's very pluggy. Um, I'm not a fan, so I didn't like the signing. 
<laughs> there you have it. He's the one that has the most NHL experience, right? I re- remember looking all of them up. I think, I don't know, Sherwood played 50 games his rookie season. The Ducks, okay, but I think that was it. No, I think it. Salamaki yeah. definitely, I think he has like 150, so. Yeah. That's the one you're going to be concerned about they're going to call up and use. But he's got no offense whatsoever. Um, Never stopped him before. I know. Um, but he doesn't even have offense in the AHL, really. Um, he is your, I mean, he, he is a Nashville grinder in, and that's just sort of the best way to describe him. He's just that kind of yuck. So, um, you know, maybe, maybe that's something the Eagles need and it'll be helpful down there. I, I, I hope we don't see him in NHL much, if at all. I'm, I don't know collectively why we needed three of them and dries. I can understand. Like, I get that you do need some vets, but you already had Tynan. You yeah, signed they, they dries got six again. now, and that's just, that's way too many in my book. Yeah, they re-signed and, Sheldon Dries, and they also chose to re-sign Jason Megna. Which, if you click on the link to the release on the Avs website, that links you back to the homepage of the website. Well done there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, that shows you. So, exactly. So, it's better than you know, 404, maybe, I guess. Maybe one of these guys they see as a grinder in the AHL. Like, okay, but you're basically saying this is the top six. This is a problem. I don't think so. I, 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 I don't think. I think Salamaki is a guy you get to kill penalties. And I, I forget the name of the dude that they got to do that last year, but he's that, he's that like guy. Like Eric Condra? Like, no, 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 no. The other guy, the one from Grand Rapids. <laughs> I repressed it. I'm repressed. <laughs> so, but, but, but I, I see him more as is helping out the defense. I mean, he might play top six, but he's more. He's going to be more of your shutdown guy rather than a penalty, a power play guy. But the Avs all paid these guys decent AHL salary, and yeah. You just, you see where this is headed. These are the guys that are going to be trusted. And then it begs the question, where does any sort of development fit in? Like, ideally, you're getting Bowers ready for a call-up so that he can take Belmar's job, right? I mean, that that's supposed to be the plan. But when you clog up the AHL like this, that I will say that I like Vecchioni. Um... I actually do remember when the Flyers got him. Like, he actually had a little bit of hype. But yeah. they he, he did... played with Ghost at Union, so I mean that's that's kind of what happened there. He does have some skill. He would be more of the guy I would expect to get uh, more penalty or more power play time than the other two. Um, but he has the least Friday. NHL. I think he was like what a couple yeah. games. So and he's no, he's no threat for an NHL spot. So that I, I don't know. Like that didn't stop that. the Abs when Tynan <laughs> had three career games before they got yeah. him. So you never know. But. I don't know. I I understand going for some of this. It's just too much. It's like they just think yeah. it's wonderful and just double, triple, maybe even quadruple down on it. It just doesn't make any sense. Like I'd get it more if you didn't have dries. And then then on top of it, you have to resign Megna. Like why? Why are all these guys here? And then God forbid if Cal I honestly don't understand why Megna resigned. <laughs> I mean, right, because they made the, their choice with Tynan so long ago. Well, it's like he, he came up and he played, I, I think it was four games in November or something like that, and that was it. 
you know, it's like he never got called up again. Um, so it's you know, if he's looking for an NHL opportunity, it sure isn't with the Avs. So I mean, right? You know, like maybe you're just like living in Loveland. And, you know, the the Eagles do have a nice family atmosphere, and they're really good with their players and stuff like that. So you know, maybe this stage of his career, that's just sort of a, a comfortable thing for him. I'm just also not sure why they need to sign so many with the uncertainty of the AHL season in general. Like, they have AHL contracted players. It's not like we're worried about them not being able to field a team. Plus, you have all the guys they buried that are third-year pros, like Lewis and Dickinson. And, hey, remember Nick Henry? We were supposed to, you know, try to develop that guy. It's just... Puzzle Hank. Again, what? What What is the purpose of all of this? And they're still kind of light on defense because it's like they, you know, Mark Alt signed in with the Kings, and so all right, he gets replaced by Burroughs, but well, they, Lindholm. They swapped Lindholm for Gilbert, which is a D for D, and they did swap Greer for Burroughs. Right. So yeah, that's one. Yeah. That is one that, that, that took evened from it out when it initially happened. You're looking at it like, all right, we got 26 forwards and like <laughs> nine defensemen <laughs> under contract right now, so this is weird. <laughs> but. Um, I, you know, I, 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 I don't really try to glean what they're thinking when they do these. <laughs> well, I don't it think just, you can. It's just, it, it just is. <laughs> it's just going to make that even more frustrating if Cal's not on the team that it, then you're having that conversation again. Like what kind of minutes is he going to get? And people say, oh, don't worry about it. They care about their top prospects. Okay. Being a top prospect gets you to play at all. That's what that buys you. Not minutes. Well, yeah. so, we, at this it, point, we pretty much have to expect that Bowen Byram and Martin Kelt are avalanche when the season starts. Um, I, and if they aren't, then I don't know what we're doing here. Well, I, I think salary-wise, they look like that's where they, they want to be as far as, you know, allowing for... Um, other contracts, you know, if 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 Byram and Cout are on the team, that that allows them a little more leeway to, you know, so, to get sod and um things like that. It's and not like the guys were expensive; they're league minimum at the NHL level. Like you could easily just play Salamaki instead. It's yeah. not going to cost you more money. It's going to save you money. So they, they they definitely signed a lot of guys for the Eagles, um, and, and like you said, that's that's awfully ambitious for assuming there's going to be an AHL season, and, right? And, and the, the AHL has been really, you know, at first it was going to be December fourth, and they were starting, and now it's not, and they're not real sure when it's going to start. Even though the, the ECHL is going to push through for some yeah, reason, that's really and, weird. And, the, and I, I, you know. I, I think the ECHL is more dependent on just actually having games regardless. You know, it's like they can pay their players if like five people show up, I guess, because they only pay them seven twenty-five an hour. So. <laughs> um. <laughs> I guess the AHL you would think is more tied to the NHL. Like there is no purpose in playing the AHL if there's no NHL. Yeah. So that, that could be part of it. But I mean, it's just they, it's a league that right. needs butts and seats so bad. It does. I think with the affiliation agreement, like that, they need to do something with their players. I mean, it. 
obviously with the abs it's it's so much easier like whether the eagles are playing or not they they could have the eagles operating as a practice team that's um, my question too like who all would they expect okay so assuming utah does get up and running in december do they expect these guys on NHL contract? Like, say, Lewis and Dickinson. I don't think they'd. I mean, I think with the COVID risk, I just don't think you'd do that. They kind of count I, on having those players. Like, they don't. I don't know. We'll we'll see how it goes. It. I no mean, one it might, knows. Yeah, I mean, maybe like Josh, Big Josh, and and Travis Barron, and guys that like would almost definitely be down there. Maybe they <laughs> would, but um, third year pros, great idea. But I just, I, I, I don't think with with kind of the the, the COVID problems that they're going to want a lot of movement back and forth. I think they're going to try to keep guys not isolated, but you know, at least defensible as far as COVID goes. That's also my thing: is you're not going to see movement. Or as much anyway. I, I really do wonder if the AHL is going to split into like the Eagles that play and then maybe more of a Black Aces, a small group, but just ones yeah. that stay in Denver, like it, that practice in the same facility as the Avs, do the same protocol, you know, everything where if you need to use these guys, you already know they're basically from your same cohort, I guess you could say. Yeah, and that's like safer. You, you can't call up some dude and then he tests and then tests positive right away, and you're like, oh, well, that's great. I mean, you can't you have that can't, going on. You just can't bring up a guy that's on a different team in a different city. Plus, yeah. you know, in Colorado, yeah, they can drive down, but the other teams, they're going to have to get on a plane. You know, you're not going to fly the guy private. And this well, is thinking also... that Colorado's at home. Like, what if they're on their yeah, exactly. East Coast trip? I was going to say, what if. What if the Eagles are on in Ontario? It's like, you, you, I mean, you have to take a plane there, and it's like, all right, there's, you know, a better than average chance that the guy's going to show up and be infectious. So, I, I think you're going to have to keep like at least, you know, two and two that don't travel or something like that. And on top of that, you got to think that with, with as, as much as the NHL is going to try to cram in a bunch of games in a hurry for like the entire yeah. season. You got to think just from a player safety standpoint that there's going to be a push for an expanded roster. I think so too. And then the argument against that is is the cap. And you but know, they could I have guess... a roster that doesn't count. Like they could have a black ace roster yeah, like that just, doesn't count. Like like have your practice squad roster or your shadow roster right. or whatever you want to call it. I like shadow roster because it sounds mysterious. Yeah, that is fun. <laughs> So then, then the thinking is, I don't even know if they've thought that far, but then, like, are all these guys they sign kind of thinking for that, where they're tweener quality that can be guys that hang around and and wait in, in case they're needed? So it's something to think about anyway. Yeah, I mean, I, I think until we, we have an idea what the NHL looks like, the, and the AHL really can't even think about doing anything. It seems like what's going to end up happening is they're probably going to be very either exclusively divisional or, or something close to that um, and, and some sort of truncated season. Yeah, just something to limit the travel, just both for money reasons and for COVID reasons. Right. I mean, they they might make like Tucson and Colorado base themselves in California for a few months or something like that. That'd be doesn't really help the abs, though. <laughs> no, <Nope. laughs> not yeah. a bit. 
well, some teams have even said they don't necessarily need, like, especially the teams that are NHL owned. So it's a sunk cost anyway. So they can sort of exist, but they don't necessarily need to play games per se. Like they could just right. scrimmage like against each other. It doesn't matter if they play or not because they're wholly NHL owned. Yeah. So if there's a team that's close to that team, they could just maybe even just scrimmage and don't even have games. Or they could just have inner squad scrimmages, which is totally lame, but at the end of the day, it's about serving the NHL. And if that's what's going to work to serve the NHL, then they're probably going to be considered. Yeah, when I mean, you set, I, when you set I, up I as a developmental league, sometimes that's going to be your lot. Like, it's, it's not great, but... Well, I mean, if you... Alright, say you're the Eagles' ownership. You know, you've got to be financially viable if they're actually going to play games. Like, if, if you're going to have a, a 1,200-person limit at the Bud Center, then that's probably not going to work for them. It um, also depends how involved the Avs are with support. Yeah, I mean, it, and it, there, I, I don't think there's a way that you can do that where it's not at least somehow equal among the teams. You know, it's like if, if, if it's just you know that the NHL owned teams getting help, and then the others are catch as catch can. Uh, you know, I don't think if you're like Hershey or Syracuse or Chicago, fly. I don't know. I think it would be unfair, but you just, I don't know. I don't think they're going to make sure that everyone kind of gets the same. What you're going to be able to do? Yeah, I'm not sure there's going to be a fair way to make this happen. No. Like the fair way to make this happen and would be especially for... for the Eagles since they're isolated. Like it would be really easy for all the California, Nevada, uh, Arizona teams to to play each other with no travel or very little. But it's like Colorado still theoretically in that division. What do you do? It's like the, you know no one's going to want to travel, you know, on planes to Denver to play games. No, probably so. not. Um, so here's a, there, there may be some noise behind me pretty soon, so I will say this and get it out of the way. Um, for all, all the signings that the Avs have made for their AHL club, that one they haven't re-signed yet, at least as of right now, maybe, maybe they have by the time you listen to this, but they haven't yet, it's Hunter Miska. Yeah. Yeah, they qualified him and he did not file for arbitration. It's a little interesting. I generally think more if you have that card play it i don't think it's like nefarious or anything it's just you earn the right to that leverage because you've been on nhl contract that long or your age so but we'll see um i guess speaking of goalies i did want to share that i actually discovered a little bit of information about our favorite czech goaltender pavel francos and what was wrong with him in the playoffs now would you be surprised to know it was a hip issue? No. And apparently it happened in the first uh, the, the first game he played against Dallas in the round robin game. I think he actually so like got he run. Really... In, he actually got run in that I mean, I think he got run well, a few times, but... Corey Perry definitely hit him with his stick. <laughs> So uh, apparently got injured there, and then he actually missed some practices, which they were supposed to inform us. They forgot. They did not. And the plan was was that he would be good to go in a back-to-back, 
But other than that, he he was going to need a few weeks. So it's not anything serious, but it was something where he wasn't going to be able to play regularly. So initially the plan was he was only going to play in back-to-backs. And then that went out the window and he tried to play on it. He said it kept getting worse. In the final game he played, he said it just froze up, that he just didn't have any range of motion and he had to pull a plug. Pretty visible. So stop blaming Frank. He's a good goalie. <laughs> I co-signed that. So it's none of this is surprising, but it was nice to at least have it spelled out because yeah. And of course, this was from a Czech site. So if you want to get on the Google and Google and find a Czech article, you can read the same article I did. But um, we know that's where good information comes from. And so it's just good to have the confirmation of exactly what happened and uh, and also the, the process of, of how much he tried to go and um, and couldn't. Let me, let me just back away from the mic a little bit here. Other teams tell you what happened to their players. <laughs> I know, shocking, right? It's just, yeah, the Avs could have just said that. Okay. Right. The Stanley Cup was over, and within like six hours, we knew exactly how injured Tyler Sagan was. <laughs> we had a we had a list. It was yeah. like a shopping list for the surgeon. Like, you, it's okay to to have a little bit of PR. Good God. Well, well just and, like and, EJ. And especially when you have a, a situation where it's basically a prairie fire of everyone on Frank. Like well, he's terrible. He lost a series for us. Yada yada yada. Yeah, and it's like, like back up your guy. And I know that they were pretty emphatic that hey, he was injured and this and that. Yeah. But because I mean, it's just, just sticks it a little gotta bit. Got to say more than like, he's oh, injured okay, and can't sense. play. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's a lot more helpful to have some specifics, not to say yeah, he's broke. He 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 had an ouch. So yeah, just the the endless frustration with the iron curtain that this team puts up for no discernible reason it is it's frustrating and then you don't it's tough because it seems like the, then there's the complacency you just no one's even asking questions so it's it's like and i totally understand there's only so much you can ask like you're not going to go in guns blazing and well, but so, I mean, I come mean, you're, on! You're you... basically making the reporters guess what's wrong with everybody, and they'll and, and you can either confirm or deny it rather than just saying, "Okay, this guy had this, and this guy had this," and, you know. But then, even it, then, they don't do that. Like nobody asks them. Right. Like, okay, well, what about EJ? Like it's just, it's like this game of cat and mouse, and like both sides just retreat, just keep retreating, and it's just like what. This isn't working. I guess obviously it does work because we're existing with it, but it's just, it's so frustrating. Like, we shouldn't be having to guess here about their plans for Byram and Cout. Like, I know that they're not just going to sit down and explain out their whole thought process, but in every single other market, there's a completely legitimate question that gets asked at every opportunity, and they will have some sort of information of like, yeah, we're expecting him to be on the team or no or whatever. Like, we shouldn't have to play a Ouija board 
and go through every single move. Well, does this mean that they're planning for Byram? Oh, I don't know. What if they sign this guy? So they're probably going to sign a guy that could be either like a four, six, or a seven, and we're going to be like, well, I don't know. What does that mean for Byram? But will anybody just ask? Like, why is that so hard? I just, I don't get it. it it's just so frustrating. The NHL cannot have an open partnership with sports betting. If the yeah. injury reporting is going to be a game of 20 <laughs> fucking questions. Like that, that's not going to work. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the, I mean, that's basically what the NFL is based on is, you know, back in the, the late seventies and early eighties, they were basically like, if we're going to bet on this, we got to know who's playing and what's wrong with the guys that aren't. And if you lie, then, you know, it, it's, it's not going to work. And, I hope it moves know. to that, that more information would be helpful. Yeah. It helps everybody. It helps everyone do their jobs. It. I mean, I'm not into gambling on hockey, but it's, <laughs> you know, it, it's just that that's something that that is a positive thing that gambling has done for the NFL. It's like they, you know, they don't have to hem and haw and, you know, it's like they have to spell out exactly where guys are and what's wrong with them and, and when they're expected to return. And it's like, I, I, you know, I, I don't think that that is such an advantage for opponents anymore. I mean, it's, you know, well, yeah, definitely not other coach the plan because you, you know that Johnny isn't going to play, but well, um, especially after the fact, like, okay, I get it in a series. You're not going to be like, well, we expect him to be back by game four, you know? Okay. I get that. Yeah. I mean, and, and sometimes you just don't know and that's fine, but you know, you have to be a little more than like day to day, and you know he's got a, a body injury. Oh, he's unfit to play. Right, yeah, that was terrible. He's that unfit. just okay. You had eight weeks of no COVID tests. Like you could have dropped the unfit. You know, not worried yeah. about that one. And and other teams played fast and lose with that. So like Ben Bishop was unfit, and then one day he came in and played, and he stunk, and then he was unfit again. Like. <laughs> Instantly. Or you have like DeBoer who wouldn't even play the game. He'd be like, he's not positive. Right. He's, unfit, he's not positive. Don't worry about that. <laughs> just like, come on. Let's just, can we just all cut the crap? Like, well, just make we... something standardized. Like, I, I you know, it, if, if every team was like the Avs, then so be it. But, I, you know, obviously that's not going to work for the gambling interests, but it's like, you know, have some well, standardized things like the somebody. NFL does. Like you have to, you know, put out an injury report and, you know, not lie on it. <laughs> like in other markets, they get asked, hey, gee, is your fourth overall pick ever going to play? Like that's kind of not a hard question. So let's move on to the things that, uh, the other things that have happened for the NHL avalanche. They're, they're not super interesting. So we save them to the end. Uh, Andre Burakovsky resigns for two years, four point nine million AAV. Uh, I think that's about what was expected. Yeah, I think it's a little low, even. Um, you know, given given the the goal total that you know he would be projected at over a full season, um, you know, he was he was pretty righteous, even though we know it was you know it was a lot of ups and downs that made that. But um, yeah, he, he would have had a good. There's a lot of other good things for the team, so. He would add a pretty good arbitration case. I mean, you, you look at yeah. his production, 
numbers from the playoffs. And I was very frustrated with him for at least half of those playoffs, but mm-hmm. the numbers don't lie. I mean, you, I think he had more even strength points than McKinnon, which yeah. that's kind of mind-blowing just to begin with. So it was either He's for the full guy. thing or the Dallas series. But, yeah, it's just he – he would have cleaned up in arbitration. So I think the abs needed to be a bit more proactive with him. I'm just going to say can't yeah, and, have been he's another guy that has some... Because McKinnon was <clears throat> godly. Even Until, strength, like, though? the last couple games. Yeah. Yeah, he... no, McKinnon for sure had the total points. But anyway, just there's a lot of angles that his people could have argued um, on oh, his yeah. production in the playoffs. He He was definitely up there, so... He had plenty of leverage also, and, and got compensated for it. Yeah, and he's also a wizard at entering the zone and carrying the puck through the neutral zone. At you know, more more talk about microstats here, but um, it's something that fits in really well with what Jared Bednar wants to do and what the Avs want to do as a team. So um, the, the fits there. Um, you know, I, I think over the next two years or, or year and a half, let's say, we all want to see that a little more consistent as he becomes a, a true vet you know wh- whether they're going to want to extend him and then of course yeah. we've also got uh, Valeri Nachushkin two years 2.5 million AAV that's uh, slightly more money than I was expecting but not not enough more that I'm like you know that's a lot of money just a little bit I mean he was a contender for the Selkie and the heart so <laughs> and the heart okay <laughs> I think that's about what he earned. Just my, I think, I don't know if concern's the right word, but just, I'm, it's a bit puzzling why they went two years with Nuke because he had, he's only two years to UFA. And so it's kind of like you needed to pick one side or the other of the, the line here. I would have been fine with the one year just to say, okay, let, let's see what you really are to this team. We'll do a one year and then see what happens. And well, I, I think, I mean, if you look at Burakovsky's contract, um, they obviously paid a lot more for the second year, which is a UFA year. Um, so with Nuke, right. you, didn't so, want to, you, you didn't want to pay for a UFA year with Nuke. And I, I think you're also okay. You I, I think you're okay now with letting guys have contracts go to UFA because you, you get to pay for just RFA years and I mean, you've got a product that that hopefully they want to be a part of, and it, it, you're not going to have to, you know, really bend over backwards to resign guys. And if you do, you, you know, the demand is there that you can you can hopefully replace someone like that. Yeah, there's a lot lot that goes into it because right, we see the the market right now. There's so many one and two year deals, so yeah, that is smart business for them, especially to not get locked into someone. And I'm definitely not suggesting they should assign Nuke for three or more. So, but the other side of it is usually when a guy sees UFA, he sees it. So, and sure, there's ample time to get that extension out. But you know, Burakovsky's yeah, I mean, got a whole cost- year to do it. Burakovsky's going to cost a lot as it on a UFA contract. So I don't know. I kind of feel like maybe that's the lifespan they see in him, which is okay. I would have maybe pushed for three, but, but sure it would have made, it would have made the whole deal more expensive for him. And the other thing is, yeah, uh, the two years deal is um, that's good for the expansion draft. 
because um, the guys that they're going to need to expose and satisfy the exposure requirement will have to be under contract. So having a lot of these guys, like let's say Nuke on a two-year deal, I could see the argument for why. Why don't you just go one? Like with Burkowski, I understand you can't just go one. But Nuke, I don't know. There's not a whole lot of reason why you couldn't just go on one with him. But if you do foresee that maybe you want to use him as your a guy that's exposed and meets the requirement, then having that two year the extra year is helpful because then he counts as one of those guys. There you go. But I, I am glad. I don't I don't like term I know the abs hate term. And term is where contracts get scary. So I also this hate is term. Almost, this I is like term. perfect for them. It's like I'm glad Burkowski's still here, but do I necessarily want to commit like six years to him? No. I so. I would definitely agree though that we could have committed a third to, to Burakovsky, um, because that would have him come up at the same time as uh, Nathan McKinnon, which is yeah, a, a pretty easy place to just expect a little bit of salary to fall off to move to, you know someone who's about to get a substantial raise. Right. If you, if ha ha, you ever think of like internal guys like Sampo or anything like that, you probably would want the three year lead up to that, but they'll find someone else. <laughs> the Avs also qualified all of their RFAs. Everybody received a qualifying offer, including Vladislav Kamenev, who is under absolutely no expectations to sign it. Yep. Yeah, that's fine. I think we all want to just see keep the rights. You never know. Just like Grigorenko, we saw he came back to the NHL. If we had kept his rights, then again, who knows? Maybe he would have signed that qualifying offer at the time. But anyone that you could anticipate might come back for another shot at the NHL, why not? Because it just gives you asset value. So, yep. um, sounds good to me. And then Ryan Graves is the only other arbitration eligible rfa and he has opted for arbitration where you have no idea when that hearing will be yet we'll, we'll get them when the uh when someone gets paid a whole lot of money to sit down and add a plus b <laughs> divide by two um and then we're still waiting for a new deal for tyson jost um that, that means a graves jost miska and now burrows are the only re-signings left honestly there's no new deal yet for matt nieto i think it's reasonably fair not to expect one um, and Mesnikov has moved on to Detroit for some reason. He is from there, so that's a little understandable. Yeah. It's pretty cheap. If you would have told us, like, three months ago that he would have signed a two-by-two, two, we would have been like, you know, that's not bad. We'd be interested in that, but they just, I mean, they don't have a room a center. They just don't have If he was a center, I would be I would be jealous of that. I, I think the Avs have really stocked up on wings a lot more than they needed to, um, and they're really sh kind of short on centers. Because if I mean you know you have McKinnon and Kadri, those are real centers. Belmer is is pretty much a center. I'll I'll give. Um, I don't think Comfort's a center. They sure play him there. They sure do, and and they think Dries is a center and he's not. So there's that. Um, so I think, you know, keep if you keep adding wings, especially in sort of the low upside variety, um, you know, you've already got plenty of them. So it's nice to show a little restraint and just sort of let, let Stinky go off to the wings. 
Well, I understand the desire for a better third line center, but you just, unless you're getting rid of Comfer, it's just, it's right. not going to happen. So, well, that mean, ain't no problem. That ain't no problem. You could make Comfer a wing on the, on the third line and have a better third line center and, and do that. I mean, but... you need his contract and his money and his roster spot to go away. It's right. That ain't no it's problem. It's not that he can't be on the wing. <laughs> Um. So yeah, that that looks like it's everything that's going to happen for Colorado. They may still add someone in kind of the low end D capacity. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they will. I I think I I don't think anyone they have in the the call up territory, which I'm thinking of Timmins, Gilbert, and McDonald. Um, Not initially. No, they might get looks. Yeah. No, I don't. I don't think those. I don't think those guys are guys that are going to want as as a seventh D. I mean, McDonald's not played in the NHL much. I think he's played two games with Florida. Um, Timmy, they're basically saying go down and and don't get hurt for half the season, and, and then then we'll talk. And we're we're not sure what Gilbert or is, is it Gilbert or Gilbert? Do we know? I don't think he's French. So <laughs> I mean, well, it's there. We're not going to go halvesies on this. It's either Dennis Gilbert or it's Denis Gilbert. <laughs> Denis I think Gilbert. he's from Buffalo, so I think I think we're pretty set with Gilbert. Definitely Dennis. French-speaking population there. <laughs> um, but but yeah, I I do expect something to to materialize, and and it you know it could be a trade, it 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 could be a signing, but um, you know I I think that they would be a lot more comfortable. Um, having someone with a little bit of experience uh, that that can sit, if need be, as their seventh D. So yeah, they have accomplished a lot in the last few days. It, yeah, it wasn't. It was nice to get the Burakovsky and the new contracts out of the way for sure. And that does Burakovsky also gives them that cost certainty, cost certainty, because th- that number could have had a bigger range. I guess Graves is uh, one that could have a little bit of a range depending on if the Avs still want to give him term or not. I I think him filing arbitration is the right move for him. Mm-hmm. And yeah. It also kind of puts, I mean, unless they mean it, may come to an agreement before the arbitration, it kind of puts a kibosh on the term thing too. Well, he can a elect one bit. or two years. Um, and or I, I guess think... it's, it, the team can elect one or two years since he's the one electing arbitration. Yeah. Um, I don't think that they... They'll get that far. I really don't. I, I think they'll. I don't be. either. Yeah, they, they probably has, won't. And he has two hour figures left, so but I'll be happy if they do because it means there's no term. He's sort of in in the same boat as Nuke. I think you kind of got to decide one side of the fence or the other. But you know, if the they give him a two year I mean, term. The, the issue with Graves is, and we've all looked at the comparables for his contract with guys that are his age and his NHL games played and points and whatnot. And that's, that's generally what they base it on. Um, is there some fairly scary comparables out there that, that could go a little higher than I think the abs would like um, sort of North of 4 million. Um, I, yeah. So I, I, I don't think he'll end up signing for that much. Um, that's you know, probably one reason why they don't want it to get arbitration either. And the plus right. forty is an arbitration eligible statistic. Yeah, uh, which is not as important as the other 
um, the other ones. But yeah, so I mean, he you know he's he can make a pretty good case for a decent payday. I you know I, I'd like to think that they could get it somewhere in the in the mid three million category. They um, probably will. They're pretty good at limiting term on RFAs. You know, yeah, where they get caught is in the UFA, and and we all know you have to overpay to get a UFA. Yeah, but you, on their you RFAs, have to give an extra year <laughs> from from what you wanted that in too. UFA. <laughs> that too. So, but the RFAs as of pretty much been pretty good at at hammering on a on their side of the deal. So it it I think really the question with grades is just the term. He has earned some term, yeah. but I I would not want to pay for twenty seven points if he's not going to do that again because. It wasn't there in the playoffs, and if he's not really in that range of production, you definitely don't want to pay for that. It depends on right. how long he plays with Kale McCarr, um, which is a conversation for another time. I think the and I think I, I think Jost might be a little bit more difficult of a contract negotiation. Yep. Um, That's than, where we were going. Because he he does not have arbitration rights, so there's nothing forcing this on either side to to sign. Um, his qualifying offer, I think, is around uh, nine hundred fifteen thousand. Um, you know, most. People I just think... I don't think they'll go that route. Like I understand the Avs have the right to, because Joe just doesn't have leverage. Like his only leverage is to play somewhere else or hold out. Yeah. Or get an offer sheet, but that's you know no, they're not offer sheet for Joe's. So well, I, I you know I I think they would probably end up trading him if it's something like they they want something that he's just not going to do. You know if they're saying sign your qualifying offer and he's like nope, and I, I think they would just end up trading him. But um, you know the, there's a lot of comparables for him up around two million dollars. I think that's way too much for someone that's sort of fallen down the lineup over the past couple of years. Um, but these, these are the people that played him for three years. Like he is the only time he was ever scratched was like what, two games in the playoffs. And then someone got injured and he was right back in. So one. that once that, yeah, that was I, the only time they've ever scratched him in three years. I just think they hold him in higher regard. And that this is going to be, do, but easy... I, don't, I don't think they want to pay him $2 million either. <laughs> If, you know? if that's the comparables, I mean, you look look around the league, like the guys that are in the more one range are guys that have been in, mostly in the AHL. Like, here's a guy right, that already but, has over 200 NHL games. That that But, that but he could end up being game. the 13th forward fairly easily um, if everyone's healthy. And I, I can see if you're the Avs being like, look, you know, this is where you're at. Um, you know, the certainly you have every right to hold out for more but um you know it, it'd be much better if you played this season on this contract and showed us that you know you belong in a higher spot in the lineup and then it, we don't have this issue See, now you're giving jables an opportunity to play tyson jose over martin cow and i'm not into that yeah i mean he, he, I, I just you know and, and obviously it's it's rare that all all these guys are going to be healthy. So it's not something I'm terribly worried about, but you know, again, if, if you're, if you're Joe Sackick in the player personnel department, you're looking at Jost as a guy that, you know, started out sort of top six when they were really bad, obviously, but you know, it's like now he's struggling to stay in the lineup. Um, you know, how much is that worth to you? I, 
I just I still think they're going to give him probably two year deal. It they might be able to hammer it a little bit lower than the two million because of like what we said. That's what they usually do. But he's another guy. If he has that two year deal, then he can count as exposure in the expansion draft. I also think the cost certainty will makes him an easier asset to trade because teams obviously will know how much it's going to cost to add him in. So I don't know. I I don't think that they're going to just hammer the whole, well, like qualifying offers all you get because we don't care. That's just, that's not the way they've operated with Joe's this whole time. But they could, I mean, they They, can, you know, they they can make a great case. Like, you know, you were the 12th forward when people were injured. So, you know, (laughs) <laughs> make a case for yourself. <clears throat> yep, they they can sit down and say, I mean, you you that that's worth one point two to us. Where do you think you're at? Because yeah, um, we were having a conversation about Tyson Jones before the show started, and Earl was saying something smart and interesting, and I told him to hold off on it till we got here, and now I can't remember what it was. No, it was actually about Graves. It was about the arbitration hearings are scheduled. Um, the the list will be released tomorrow oh is it um, tomorrow could... okay the the 12th. hearings start pretty early i think they start on the 20th like yeah so it it's within two weeks or so of that so it's gonna come pretty quick um, yeah let's see the, the arbitration hearings go from the 20th to november 8th so yeah you know that the 12th would be eight days beforehand <clears throat> um and I think there are only 26, 26 players league wide that elected arbitration. So yeah, not that many. Yeah, they can they can get that done pretty quick, I guess. And and obviously, it's not even a quarter of them will actually go to arbitration. So. And they did. And one thing to note, they changed the rule in the new CBA that once the hearing begins, you're bound to what the arbiter decides. So you That's know cool. how it used to be, you'd have the hearing and then you'd have like your two days and they'd milk the whole two days. Now it's like, if you start it, that's it. That's how they yeah. signed Ryan O'Reilly, wasn't it? Or was it Tyson Barry? He's one of those two. Barry no, went Barry, through. Barry actually went through with yeah, the hearing. They, they went to the hearing <laughs> and they came out and they, it's like they walked out of the room and looked at each other and said, are we really going to do this? Just Let's just sign a paper. I think they milked the two the two days too because i i think it was even like past the 24 hours and it was like or 48 hours and it was like um what's happening here and then they they decided with o'reilly it was they decided before they walked into the hearing okay yeah that's right like five minutes before they walked i I knew there was one that they had really just 11th hour um all right so before we get out of here just real quickly um I'd, i'd love to know how y'all feel about the way the Avalanche roster looks if this is how they go into the first game of whenever the next season starts. Because I feel pretty good about the things that they've done. I think there's going to be a little bit of some, maybe some growing pains on the back end as we adjust to Nikita Zadorov turning into Bowen Byram. Um, there'll definitely be some of those rookie things that we mentioned earlier. But overall, I'm I'm pretty satisfied with what they did and didn't do. Um, I, I would have liked to see them pick up Taylor Hall, but they didn't, and that's fine. Yeah, yeah I, I, mean, I this... don't think they honestly had enough cap space to sign Taylor Hall anyway. I mean, they they you know they would have had to make several moves, not not just the, the Zadorov move. They they probably would have had to get rid of someone else just to make that work, and that's fine. But 
Um, I'm not sure how committed they were to doing something like that. Well, it depends how close to the top they want to hug. And, you know, we've heard that they want to save a little cushion for the car bonuses because you probably need to plan for that. Right. Even though to hit, to hit the full bonus, you much have to win everything. But, well, you know, might. it's Macar too. So <laughs> yeah. It is a realistic it. possibility. Great problem yeah. to have. Um, I, I, feel- I feel pretty good about this lineup. I really do. Um, I, I like what they did by getting sod and, and instead of hall. Um, just because I, I think they need it, it, it. I mean, anyone that they add to the guys that they already have is going to be complimentary because basically anyone besides McKinnon is complimentary anyway. Um, so getting a guy that that's going to be a, a little bit less expensive um, and someone, you know, I, I hate to rag on Hall for this, but it's like he's always been a good guy on a bad team and you just don't know how that's going to play out when he's you know, sort of not the man. And I, I think with Saad, you, you do know how he's going to be working with, you know, McKinnon and, and Rantanen and everybody because, you know, it's like he's won cups and all that. So um, he's familiar with the role. He's, you know, I, I think the way he plays is a good fit with the Avs. Um, you know, that's yeah, I like his net front. That's, fearsome. They need that. Like, yeah. The way he can score a net front. Those two on ones too. Like I, I watched his goal highlights from this uh, season, and a whole bunch of them are burying a two on one. It's like that'll work. <laughs> yeah. And also tips around the net, but yeah, for me, I'm pretty satisfied. Uh, it's easy to get caught up in the frenzy, but the thing is, this is a good team, and they didn't, they don't need to go out and make a big commitment. And it's not easy to get a top six player. To, to be able yeah. to even get one year of a top six player is is something that a lot of teams want to do and not necessarily end up doing, and even fewer in in a smart transaction. So I think yeah, it's I mean, pretty how good. How many teams to... would think they could trade their sixth defenseman for a top six forward? <laughs> right, like that's that's <laughs> one of those where everyone's saying, "Oh, you know, let's trade Jost and Zadorov for this. Let's trade Jost and Zadorov for that." And it's like, okay, well. Realistically, <laughs> you're gonna have to add more if you want the good stuff. So, I'm glad that they didn't have to resort to just getting the best third liner they could find. So, another it's, so it's nice <laughs> that they've been able to, in the last two off seasons, to make smart transactions and get top six players. And you know, maybe some other teams would be concerned that Sod's just one year. But for the Avs, they're they're not desperate, so they were they were good without him. So if he's just a one year guy, they didn't have to rent him. They didn't have to do give their first round pick to to add to their top six. And if it's just one year, then that's okay. Then hopefully we'll have some other guys coming. Now for me, the big key is Arkout and Byram really actually going to be on this team or not. That's that's what's going to swing it for me because. Those are things that they need, they absolutely need to progress to, to be able to take this roster to the next level, to be in their contention window. So if if they get back in the cocoon and they're using some of these AHL guys they signed or whatever, or they sign some, go out tomorrow and sign a third liner, I don't know. 
but it's just kind of like put your hands down you did well i agree they probably need one more defenseman as long as that doesn't bump off byram then i'm cool with it and then just say you know what we were a good team before and we got better so suckers yeah <laughs> I mean, Bowen Barm is the most skilled defenseman you can add to this club. I know. You know? It's like we're not talking about Bigra and Malosh and, and hoping on fairy dust here. Like, this guy was named the top prospect in the league for a reason. Like, we're talking about top, top talent, top, top upside. That's the guy you just play. You get through a couple bumps in the road, and he will make a big impact like that's why you drafted him that high is because yeah. he's gonna make a huge impact and then to add that to what you already have is just it's hilarious right but you gotta do it you gotta play him <laughs> get the rewards so just do it it's a lot of hype it's a lot of excitement for a season that will start maybe <laughs> maybe <laughs> the, the, the last we'd heard was sometime in December and then that was starting to look not so likely and then the rumors were starting to be January 1 don't know um, as some of these other sports leagues that have come back and appeared to figure it out have started to now miss games because of positive coronavirus cases cough NFL we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll see what ends up happening with the NHL season when, if and when it ever finally does kick off um, yeah, I mean, I, I think if the earliest we could have seen training camps would have been uh, mid-November. Um, and that's, you know, I, I think with what they're thinking now, that that's that's going to be pushed back to probably after Thanksgiving, which I think is probably better. I think probably by mid-November, they're going to have a little bit better handle after watching sort of how um, other sports leagues have been dealing with getting fans in the stands sparsely um, other hockey leagues being starting up, you know, that the, the queue is going through some fairly awful things right now, but um, with, with some of their team. Um, so it's just, I mean, they, they, they need to figure out how to do this. And I don't think it's something you can just guess at. You really have to have some solid data to work off of. For sure. And and honestly, even just take COVID out of it, to ha to turn around to training camp in November for the teams that played late into the bubble is psychotic. Yeah. Like, you're going to have people injured for the season in camp. Like, come on now. Yeah. It's just a December camp will be interesting because then the World Juniors already decided to move forward using the same Edmonton bubble. So I think that's a pretty solid plan. I heard Team U just today that Team USA plans to enter the bubble on December 13th. So, so if, if um, NHL teams can let their guys go, this could be one of the best new twenties in a long time. So yeah. yeah, exactly. It'll be interesting how that works out, especially if the NHL camp starts around December fifteenth. What teams decide? You know, it will the Avs. Is that going to be a reason that they use to not play Byram or in in? Oh, I Just would definitely. I mean, regard. I, I think regardless of his situation with the Avs, Byram should play in years, and I think that's something that's important to Sackick as well. I mean, I don't think that would affect, um, you know, how they would want to use him during the season or something like that. I just, I, I think, it's an. Excuse, I, I think they though. would see they would see that as something that would help him be better in the NHL. I hope sure, they see it your way. Yeah. Sure, and he's he'll be a top guy on that team, and and. That it's always a blessing and a curse, but uh, 
it's a good experience for him. It's just, and just to be clear, there's no rule that says if you go to the World Juniors, that counts as being sent back to junior. No, you can you can go to World Juniors, you can go back to the NHL. It's just if the Avs are looking for an excuse to say, well, you weren't at camp, blah blah blah. It's an easy well, one. I don't think they are. I mean, I think if they sent him there, <laughs> it, it, it would be to make him better for the Avs. I mean, it, but then how do you how do you really get a spot on the roster and you weren't at camp? Like you're just going to show up and be like, hey, yeah, pretty well, much. I mean, it's only going to be two weeks. I mean, how much could he actually miss? It'd be more than two weeks. They... <laughs> We're just going to leave that as a Chekhov's gun and get the hell out of the show. <laughs> <laughs> Um, because we saw what happened when Miko ranted and missed training camp last year. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I, I don't know how they would look at it. I hope that they would, would see it as an improvement possibility. And, uh, but we don't know. Some, sometimes yeah, they just do what they want to do and, and ad hoc it later. So we have cleared the two-hour mark. I think it's probably time for us to get out of here. Um, thank you very much for sticking with us um, on a very long show with a lot of things to talk about. Um, but I don't know when there's going to be another one because the NHL won't tell us. Yeah. So if if the Avalanche do make another um, move that is you know bigger than like a seventh D or something, um, we'll we'll scramble together a mini-sode for you and talk about it. Otherwise, this will probably be it from us until whenever preseason happens, frankly. So, hopefully everybody is using their free time from hockey wisely and doing all that fun stuff you like to do outside of hockey. I know you have other interests than hockey, right? Huh? Just watch other hockey. There's also that. <laughs> you, can, you can still watch lots of junior and lots of European games. Um... But whenever the NHL comes back, we will see you then. My uh, my next segment after that is the bunch of anonymous signings from Friday, plus the re-signing of Drys and Magna. The heck is um, that? What was that? Like, was there some sneeze? Was there just a banshee in the connection? What the hell? Oh no, I threw up. <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> I wanted to. I didn't like those signings. Oh. Oh, that was a sound you made on purpose. What the fuck? Yeah. yeah. <laughs>